listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. to you from the Windy City Slam Studios here in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. This is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on in everyone. Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on into episode number 156. This week, we're going to recap the happenings at the Royal Rumble and the loudest pop of the night, the winners of the two Rumble matches, and so much more. And then we're going to preview local shows such as Rocket Pro Wrestling and POW Entertainment. And finally, we're going to bring on a special guest. We welcome for the very first time local Chicago veteran, former freelance underground champion, and he's known to some as the Midwest Bully. Craig Mitchell will join us, and he'll talk about the Red Hawk Rumble, a special fundraising event for freelance wrestling, which is coming up Friday night, February the 3rd, at Marist High School on Chicago's South Side. And you're going to get all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Wrestling fans often talk about psychology in the squared circle, but what about your individual psychology and mental health? The counselors at True Heights Treatment offer in-person or virtual appointments. To learn more, go to www.trueheightstx.com or give them a call at 708-248-7039. My name is Storm Grayson and I'm your freelance underground independent champion and you're listening to the Windy City Slam podcast. Back here on Windy City Slam Podcast, this past Saturday night, the Royal Rumble, WWE's start to the road to WrestleMania, took place in San Antonio, Texas at the Alamo Dome. Great show from WWE, the two Rumbles, and then the WWE Universal Championship match and the fallout from that match were the highlights of the evening. Let's get into it. The main event. The undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman and Sami Zayn at ringside defeats Kevin Owens, pinning Owens following his spear. Match was very good. Really, really good. But it's going to be overshadowed by what happened after the match. After the match, it appeared Jey Uso was going to present Sami Zayn with a lay in a ceremonial induction into the bloodline. But Roman Reigns interrupts. And the group just continued to gang up on Kevin Owens, beat him up, beat him up even more for several minutes after the match. They handcuff Owens to the ropes, and Roman Reigns is ready to hit him with a chair and finish him for good. But Sammy pleaded with Roman to stop, almost with tears in his eyes, because obviously Kevin's still very close to Sammy, even though Sammy loves to be part of the bloodline. So this whole story that's been building the last five to six months of Sami Zayn and the Bloodline, and now Kevin Owens opposing Roman Reigns and the Bloodline, and the conundrum that Sami Zayn was in, it's coming to a head. Roman hands Sami the chair and says, you do it. You hit Owens. 
And then, as Roman Reigns continued to berate Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn wound up the chair and struck Roman to the loudest pop of the night. I, I mean, as soon as I saw him swing the chair, he hadn't even made impact yet with Roman. I jumped out of my seat. I yelled, he's going to hit Roman. And he sure did. And wow, the pop that crowd gave for Sami Zayn. And then Jimmy Uso super kicks Sami Zayn. Solo Sokoa gives him a Samoan spike. And then Reigns laid in about a dozen chair shots to Sami Zayn. All meanwhile, Jay Uso looks on in disdain and walks away from the rest of the bloodline. So that's yet another layer to this story. Jay Uso, co-holder of the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships with his brother Jimmy as the bloodline, as the Usos, may have had a falling out. What does that mean for the WWE Tag Team Championships? Is Jay Uso on Sammy's side and both of them are out of the bloodline? This is going to be really interesting next few weeks leading up to Elimination Chamber and in WrestleMania in just under nine weeks. Crazy stuff there. Riveting storytelling by the Roman Reigns, by the Bloodline, by Sami Zayn. Jey Uso is kind of an underrated MVP in all this too. Really terrific stuff. And then you have the Men's Royal Rumble. Cody Rhodes, who entered at number 30, returning to WWE for his first match since the Hell in a Cell match against Seth Rollins last spring. He last eliminates Intercontinental Champion Gunther to win the match. Now, Gunther had entered at number one, and he set the Royal Rumble record for the longest time in Rumble match history at one hour and 12 minutes. So, obviously, Gunther's getting a huge push out of this. He also got eliminations of Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Impressive outing for Gunther, and Cody Rhodes is now on the road to WrestleMania to a guaranteed main event championship match. And also on the Rumble, we had Booker T was a surprise at number 21, which was really, really cool. Always one of my favorites. And he looked good for the short time he was in the match. And then Brock Lesnar entered, and he was eliminated by Bobby Lashley in fairly short order. Lesnar snaps, takes out the announce desk, and one of the ringside referees. And then, in a little bit of a surprise, Logan Paul comes in at number 29, Returning from the knee injury he suffered at Crown Jewel in his match with Roman Reigns, he kind of did this meeting of the minds double clothesline thing where they both Logan Paul and Ricochet jumped off the ropes and hit each other in the middle with flying clotheslines. Crazy stuff. And then Paul actually recovered and eliminated Seth freaking Rollins. Now this is going to set up a likely WrestleMania match. Just by seeing that happen, I mean, they got to be going somewhere with that, right? Makes sense. And then in the Women's Royal Rumble, Rhea Ripley, who entered at number one, won the match. She last eliminated Liv Morgan, who was the number two entry. So one and two go wire the wire, much like Shawn Michaels and Davey Boy Smith did back in 1995 in the Men's Rumble. Ripley wins, takes Morgan out with a head-scissors takedown from the ring apron. Asuka was second to last to be eliminated, and she had a nice run. Updated face paint, more aggressive, new look. The fans popped like crazy for her, so she should be getting a really good push coming out of this as well. And surprises in this match included NXT Women's Champion Roxanne Perez, Zoe Stark from NXT, 
Indy Hartwell from NXT, and WWE Hall of Famer Michelle McCool. Got to keep Undertaker happy, I guess. <laughs> and then in the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match, crazy thing, the lights were dimmed. They had glow-in-the-dark paint on. It was kind of a crazy little thing. Some people didn't like it. Some people loved it. I was kind of in the middle. I thought it was cool, but kind of hokey as well. Bray Wyatt pins L.A. Knight after a sister Abigail. And then after the match, they brawl through the crowd. And Uncle Howdy jumps from an elevated platform and drops an elbow through the heart of L.A. Knight. So, who is Uncle Howdy? Is it Bo Dallas? Is it Vincent, the former ROH and Impact star? Is it somebody else we're not even thinking of? Is it Cameron Grimes? That could be interesting as well. This whole Wyatt Six thing, is that ever going to materialize? Is Are we just peeling back the layers ever so slowly on it? And what is next for Bray Wyatt anyway? Time will tell. And then we had the Raw Women's Championship match. Bianca Belair retains the title, pinning Alexa Bliss after a KOD. And then an Uncle Howdy promo comes up on the screen. It was directed toward Alexa Bliss. So... Is Alexa Bliss turning back to the dark side with Bray Wyatt or Uncle Howdy or both? How is that all going to work? Then again, you know, this whole Uncle Howdy thing. Uncle Howdy did give the sister Abigail to Bray Wyatt at one point a few weeks ago on TV. So what was that all about? Lots of layers, lots of things to be tied together. I am kind of enjoying the ride, though, of the very slow storytelling arc in this Bray Wyatt storyline. Good stuff. Also nationally, this weekend, Saturday, February the 4th, NXT presents Vengeance Day at the Spectrum Center in Charlotte. That will be on Peacock and the WWE Network. Two of the main matches on this show, Braun Breaker takes on Grayson Waller for the NXT Championship in a steel cage match. And then Roxanne Perez defends the NXT Women's Championship against the remaining two members of Toxic Attraction, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. This actually should really be a fun show. You got Apollo Crews and Carmelo Hayes. You got the four-way tag match, which should really be good. I would suggest going ahead and checking this show out. I mean, I'm a big NXT mark myself. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this show as well. And Impact Wrestling had a huge announcement for its Chicago fans this past week. Impact Wrestling is coming to Cicero Stadium in West Suburban Cicero, just outside of the Chicago city limits, for three huge weekends of shows, six shows total in 2023. In April the 28th and 29th, there's Spring Slugfest. July 28th and 29th, there's Chicago Heat. And October 21st and 22nd, Bound for Glory is back in the Chicago area for the third time in Impact Wrestling history. And then the next day on the 22nd, there will be a Fallout TV taping. An all-season pass that includes tickets to all six shows is available right now. You go to impactwrestling.com for much more information. And this season pass includes exclusive perks only available to season pass buyers. And these perks will be available during Bound for Glory weekend. And we are not done with Impact Wrestling. Our guest next week is an Impact Wrestling star. Thank you to Ross Foreman for setting it up. And we will make that announcement at the very end of the show. 
All right, switching to local shows coming up this weekend. We have Friday, February the 3rd. Freelance Wrestling presents the Red Hawk Rumble at Marist High School on the south side of Chicago. And we're going to get a whole lot more into that. We're going to get some insight from Craig Mitchell, who actually works at Marist High School as a coach. And he helped put this show together. Very excited to talk to Craig in just a few minutes right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Also Friday, February the 3rd, if you're in the Milwaukee area, Fourth Wall Wrestling presents Wrestle All the Way. Now this was supposed to be the show just before Christmas back in December, but the bad snowstorm and the big cold snap came over the Midwest and they postponed it till now. So this weekend, February the 3rd, Fourth Wall Wrestling presents Wrestle All the Way and it is at La Pica Lounge in Milwaukee. Saturday night, February the 4th, Rocket Pro Wrestling presents Cupid's Carnage at St. Joseph's Park in Joliet. The matches are as follows. We have Brian Crazer with Joey Blues and Davison Sarai taking on DC Shaw with Trevon Wolf. This is where No Coast truly explodes. And then a fatal four-way. We have Shaq Jordan taking on Diesel Tracks, taking on Hot Rod Daddy Andy, and Ruthless Rockin' Rivera. And then... The Coyotes' wild child, Connor Hopkins, takes on Buck Nasty, Bucky Collins. And in tag team action, those damn Coyotes, Brooks Burna and Damian DeShane, face the Rocket Pro Tag Team Champions, the Fabulous Idols, Rockstar Johnny Nye and Damian Gray, with Joey Roth and Roxy Hart. I don't know if this is going to be a championship match or not. That has not been made clear. Perhaps it will be made more clear this weekend. And then we have a hardcore match for the Outer Limits Championship. Public enemy number one, Eric Dillinger, who's known in ICW Milwaukee. He's challenging the King of the North, Gunner Brave, for the Outer Limits Championship. And this is going to be interesting for Gunner Brave because he's going to have to adapt to that hardcore style, that deathmatch style that Eric Dillinger is so used to up at ICW in Milwaukee. And... Not to say that Gunner Brave can't do it because he was awfully impressive back in November in that four-way match against all the other Black and Brave guys. He's definitely crazy. He can do it. But it could be a huge challenge for Gunner Brave. And Eric Dillinger could walk out of this as the champion. However, I'm still going to pick Gunner Brave because I think he finds a way to win. And then in a special segment, we have Maximus Orion addressing the Rocket Pro crowd. Six-man tag team action. The holder of the Rocket to the Top briefcase, Trainbreaker Aaron Stone, although he doesn't hold it right now, he is the rightful possessor of it. Ryan Matthews has the case, but Stone is the guy that earned that shot. So he's actually the guy that should have the case. And he tags with Whiskey Benton Hellbound, that's Max Holiday and Brian Blaze, and they're taking on the undeniable of the Ryan Matthews, Devin August, and the Canadian anarchist, Skylar Reed. For the Rocket Pro Chicagoland Championship, the Amazing Turtle challenges Kevin Cade. And Cade will be accompanied by Joey Roth and Roxy Hart. Final four-way for the Rocket Pro Championship. The challengers are the master of the Chicago Bear Hug, Steve Michaels, all-day Marche Rocket, and old evil Christian Rose against the champion, sexy violence, Quinn Wittick. And in the last match of the evening, this is listed as the main event on the run sheet, but I'm 
we'll see if that is the case. It's Shogun, Chris Logan, taking on the Fabulous Idols, Flash Harris. Also Saturday night, February the 4th, we have Zawa Live down at the East Gate at the Moose Lodge in Sterling. Northland Pro is also Saturday night, February the 4th. Northland presents Broken Resolutions at the Flores Banquet Hall in Woodstock. And we have Northland Pro champion Eric Schultz defending against Metalhead. Saturday night, February the 4th, north of the border, Brew City and MIAW combined to present the Oak Creek Rumble at the Oak Creek Community Center in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, just south of Milwaukee. And finally, Saturday night, February the 4th, Power Entertainment presents the Road to Slam Fest at T-Wood Bar and Grill in Wooddale. And if you don't have your ticket already for this show, you're not getting in because it's already sold out. They sold out about 10 days in advance of this show. Great response by the Power Entertainment faithful. And for the Power Tag Team Championships, IPA defend against Bad Ombre Cartel with Sexy Sandra D. For the Pow Midwest Championship, Kazile defends against It's Your Boy, Mason Perks. And in a very interesting match, this should really be a lot of fun, Acid Jazz faces Mateo Valentine. In tag team action, BMI faces the Bone Daddies of Trog and DFB Greg Murray. Scott Spade with Tiny and Mistress Misery faces Chuck's Deluxe. Eric Freedom takes on frontman Jay Scott. We'll see a Keys to the Kingdom Royal Qualifier Battle Royal. And Dazzling Donnie returns to be the guest general manager for the night. Alright, coming up in mere moments, we welcome for the very first time, Craig Mitchell. And he's going to talk about the Red Hawk Rumble coming up at Marist High School this week. All that and more coming up next on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Maven, former WWE superstar, season one, tough enough winner. Make sure you catch Windy City Slam podcast wherever podcasts are available. Check it out. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email Mike Pankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. Brand new SSW Tag Team Champion, the Punk Rock Prince, Jordan Cross, here live at the Broad Stop in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you are checking out my best friends over at Windy City Slam Podcast. Mike Pankow, you are the man. Make sure to subscribe, like, follow, share, and everything else. You can follow me at The Jordan Cross. I am the Punk Rock Prince. Thank you. All right, back here on Windy City Slam Podcast this week, and I've been waiting a long time to get this guy on the show. Uh, We welcome, for the first time, local Chicago veteran, former freelance underground champion, He's known to some as the Midwest Bully. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Mitchell. Thanks, sir. It's good to be here. All right, Craig. Good to have you. Um, the reason why I brought you on the show is a special freelance wrestling event coming up on Friday, February the 3rd at Marist High School on the south side of Chicago. 
and it's entitled Red Hawk Rumble. And it's an event near and dear to your heart, and it's also for a great cause. So can you tell me a little bit about the show and how it came together? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, about like five seasons or so now, I've worked with Marist. I've, uh, I've been a strength and conditioning coach for their hockey team. And uh, in years past, I've, it's always kind of just been like a fun thing. Like me and the guys, like the other coaches, like, oh, I, you know, I'm a pro wrestling guy, right? And we've always talked about like, it'd be fun if we could do a show or if we could do something where uh, we can get the kids involved. Or we've always tried to get it where we can get the kids on the team to go to shows and you know, with freelancer, 21 and over shows. So it's always been kind of hard to do. So uh, they always do fundraisers every year. So they always partner up with the uh, Pediatric uh, Brain Tumor Foundation. So it's always been something they've always done. And earlier in the year, I kind of pitched the idea. I go, hey, you know, if we did a wrestling show, I think it'd be kind of fun because, you know, kids out, kids like wrestling, you know, like the kids are into it. And uh, we think if we did a show, it'd be a good fundraiser for them as well. But it would just be good overall for the school to kind of get new eyes on foundations. So even if they couldn't make, they can donate for a good cause. But then vice versa as well. Like folks that are either past alumni or people involved at the school, they could see freelance as a product. Maybe they're fans of local pro wrestling, but they've never really been. It would kind of help everyone out. So we pitched it earlier in the year. It, it kind of sat in developmental hell for a little bit, mm -hmm. as you can imagine with certain things. Uh, but then I ended up getting in a, me a meeting with the school board about it. And ironically enough, the, the principal of Marist High School was my English teacher in high school. So I kind of had a little bit of a push. Uh, and I also had the blessing of a couple head coaches at the school. So we, you know, we pushed it on. We got it approved. And now it's happening. So February 3rd, hopefully, uh, right now, like, we're trying to just see, you know, what it's looking like as far as, like, who's going to attend or, you know, things like that. I, I think a lot of people are kind of not sure – uh, what to expect. They haven't really announced any matches or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be willing to talk to you about some of the matches we have on the show as well. Okay. Yeah. So how did it uh, go with the freelance people in terms of getting this set up, too? Yeah. Well, so, like, especially with me, like, I started out with, as you know, like, Matt Nix and stuff like that. And I've always been close with James and Isaiah. Like, I've always been a part of that group. So mm -hmm. when we were pitching the idea of doing a wrestling show, the idea originally was to just do like an off-brand wrestling event. And then I thought, well, freelance is local. So I pitched the idea to James and Isaiah and Nick to see if they'd be interested in doing it. And they liked the idea. So when we pitched it over back to them, we had at least something to show rather than just be like, well, I wrestle and this is what I do. We were able to show them the freelance wrestling product and they liked it. They just liked the look. They liked the feel of it. We showed them some matches. Uh, one of the guys actually came out to a show as well. Uh, and he kind of just had his eyes on it. I mean, obviously, we can't do what we're going to do at Logan Square at school in front of right. mostly kids. But uh, they liked what they seen. They liked it. It was it was ran like a really tight show. So it only kind of makes sense to have a professional looking appearance with a show like this. But I think it'd be good. It gives uh, the main thing when we were booking the show was I wanted to have the students from the wrestling academy, so from the freelance wrestling academy, to have a show where they could bring a lot of their family and friends to. And as you know. When we wrestle in Logan Square, even if you're old enough to get into the shows, the shows are hard to get to. So this is a very accessible show. It's right off, you know, 115th and uh, Pulaski. Mm -hmm. so it's right there. Uh, and a lot of the guys that are on the show are actually pretty local. They're, they either come from like Oak Lawn or Marinette Park or something like that. So they're very close. That's kind of how we pick the guys with the show as well. So can you tell me about any of the talent on the show or even any potential matches at this point? Absolutely. So we have... Uh, 
signed for the show, we have the Bang Bros will be on the show. We have uh, Kylie Ray, um, Isaiah will be on the show. Me, TPA, Mojo McQueen will be there. Uh, he was he was one of the only ones that wasn't a student. I just really wanted to book him on the show. I thought it'd be fun to have. Uh, Acid Jazz. We have a bunch of the students. So you've got like your you know Darius Latrell, like the uh, so like the pick and pop guys. The tag mm-hmm. will be there. Um, trying to think who else did we book. Uh, two star heroes or four star heroes, whatever, wherever you know them from, will be there. So Matt Nixon, Chris Castro will be there. Uh, and then we have, we did book a few more. So I know there's going to be a scramble. There'll be a three way tag, which will have the Bang Bros, the four star heroes, and um, Pick and Pop will be in that match. And then there's, I think there's one other like four way. And then there's a few singles matches. So probably seven matches with one more. So it's pretty much a full show then. Yeah, it's like a regular freelance show. So. Like a regular, you know, good old-fashioned show. Should be a lot of fun, then. So, again, it's the Red Hawk Rumble with many of your favorite freelance wrestling stars, and it's Friday night, February the 3rd, at Marist High School. The bell is at 7, doors at 6, and can you tell people how to get tickets? Yeah, absolutely. So we have two ways you can get it. So we've been sharing. Uh, there's, like, a little link tree with it. You can get tickets directly to the link. If you happen to find yourself in a position where you don't have the link, but you can see the flyer, there is a QR code and the bottom left hand of that flyer, uh, I would probably say you're more than likely going to get it from the link. The link is going to go through uh, who we usually do our ticketing for all the school events. So uh, it's kind of like, I think it's called GoFan, but it's pretty straightforward. You go on, put your email, tickets. I don't think there's much, I don't think there's a fee, or if there is a fee, it's like a dollar. But everything, even the fees and everything are going straight to the, the foundation. Awesome. So now let's talk a little bit about your career. Uh, you've been wrestling for about 14 years now, correct? Yeah. When you when that's right. When I started to jump on here, you said veteran. I started laughing. It's been a long time. Yep. So tell me how you got into wrestling and how you got started in the business. It was with Steve Boz and CSW, correct? Yeah. So actually, um, a lot of us grew up like very close to each other. So like me and Castro were friends growing up from forever ago. Like we went to high school around the same time. Uh, we got involved in, like, we used to, like, back and wrestle with each other and stuff like that. So we all knew each other. Uh, when we wanted to start taking pro wrestling, you know, like, you know, that's something we could do as soon as we got old enough to do it, of course. Uh, we see, we were looking at wrestling schools in the area. When I was growing up, Windy City Pro Wrestling was always a thing. But by the time I became old enough to do it, it wasn't really a thing. So that's when we kind of found Boz. We had seen Boz growing up wrestling and stuff like that. So, yeah, we sought out Boz. forget the name of the school. It what it was named before it was TSW, but you know we went to him. It was me, Castro, Nix, Olson. It was like that group, and then that's where we met like Isaiah and Acid Jazz and uh, Diego Corleone and guys like that. Like they were all in the same group, so we had an awesome group when we started. Pretty cool. I know you've been uh, kind of at the hip with Matt and X all these years too, with freelance and how that came along yeah. and all that, and that was really cool. So, uh, what is your favorite moment? in freelance you think so when freelance first started it was kind of like i wouldn't say it was like a a direct idea of but when we first started talking about the idea of doing anything like nick had a great idea of doing it more in the idea i don't know if you're familiar with beyond pro wrestling uh beyond pro wrestling kind of had like this um like closed off feel to the shows first Mm -hmm. where it would be like wrestlers wrestling in front of wrestlers and then the media was released after the fact uh, when Freelance did their first few, like, tapings, it was very similar. We wrestled um, kind of on a closed set. We did the matches, and then 
we would put the media out. Uh, when we then moved on to do something more of like a live crowd, that first show that we did at the Abbey was kind of like a, a roll of the dice. Like, would there be anybody, A, that would show up? But it was a lot of guys that were very up and coming that hadn't really had their break. So freelance from the beginning kind of always was giving a chance or a shot to someone who maybe either hasn't hit it big or hasn't had a chance to shine or maybe they did, but then they kind of took some time off and then they were coming back into it. So it always kind of was a good feeder to get you back into wrestling. So for me, like the best moments were when those first few shows, everything kind of like organically kind of snowballed in the right direction. It was, these were brand new faces for us to wrestle in front of. A lot of the crowd was like, very like I would say medium level wrestling fan at first they kind of just were like oh, I go to a wrestling show tonight that's pretty cool so they weren't really the diehard fans we were used to they were kind of like a young crowd that was like yeah I'm sure I'll go watch wrestling tonight and I think that's because we were running right in the heart of downtown so it was that mix so over the course of the shows the crowds got bigger and bigger and it became less of like oh this is just a cool show that's happening so like oh this is really good like this is really solid talent matches are you know you know five star style matches but also the talent that was coming in was starting to actually match that as well i mean if you look at those early freelance shows and you look at the cards on them it's crazy like sometimes i go back and i look at the old like iwtv like mm -hmm. catalog and i can't believe who was on these shows back in the day and how many people that started there or got their you know their role there and then kind of ended up going on to bigger Know, and doing crazy things, getting signed to WWE. A lot of those guys, like you're thinking Mustafa Ali, for example, like he was on his way out of wrestling, found a re like a you know like a reignited love for wrestling, and then in freelance grew to do what he did now, which is kind of crazy. So I guess I guess I, I kind of strayed, but I guess you could say the best part were that was that first two years where it was just kind of like every show got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and it kind of always felt like the next show could top the last. And that was always kind of cool for me. It's funny. When I talked to Matt Nix about it, he thought like, hey, maybe this is a one-time thing or a two-time thing. We'll see where it yeah. goes. And it just exploded, like you said. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember him pitching the show to me for the first time. And I remember, like, the day or two before, like, reaching out to him and, like, confirming the time the show would start. It was, like, 9 p.m. the first show started. And I remember saying, like, who the hell is going to come to a wrestling show that starts at 9 o'clock? And... I mean, now look at average show starts at eight. It's a late night crowd, but it's it's the feel. It's like that vibe. I don't know when the last time you've been to Logan was, but when you're there, it's like it's the most electric feeling in the air for two hours. It's crazy. Yeah, I can even hear it over IWTV. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it, it's been awesome. One of the highlights of your career, going back a little bit, was that great best of five series against GPA for the Freelance Underground Championship a few years ago. And there were all kinds of stipulations during this series, too. I know you didn't come out on top in the end, but what was it like to just do that entire story with a guy like GPA? It was great. Like, I've always, it's funny, like, you're not the first person to bring this up. Everybody's brought up the the feud, right? Like, the five matches. And it's funny, the amount of times that I have wrestled with GPA before the five is crazy. I would say I've probably worked with GPA the most out of any, like, single human being. <laughs> I think I it's crazy. So, like, when we, when we started to work through the series of five, I think the matches all felt very organic 
the storytelling was on point. But also it kind of had it had like a very like a what's the best word I'm trying to think here? Like the the chemistry was there, which I think is it's the most important. When when you think of a match you want to see, or if you think of a story you want to see play out, a lot of times it's always like, Oh, that would be great if I could see that. But if they don't work well together, it kind of falls flat. So for me, I remember going into the series of five wanting the best out of it. And I wasn't sure how that was going to go because, I mean, who wrestles five times in a row mm-hmm. and keeps the crowd, you know what I mean? By the end of it, I'm like, I don't know how the hell we did it, but it, it was one of the, it was probably one of the better, like, series that I've been a part of. I've done series with different people. I ran different programs with others. But you're always at the, the feeling of like, well, I have to make it X in order to keep them engaged. I have to keep the match doing this in order to keep eyes on it or keep you know, the promos or whatever it has to be. It felt like we didn't have to do much. Every match kind of built upon itself naturally. And when it was all over, I mean, I wish, I wish it would have went a little different for me, but, uh, but no, it was great. I think it was probably one of the better feuds that I've ever been a part of. Probably won't have anything like that happen again. Now you were just getting hot again last year when you injured your Achilles, I believe it was Achilles, right? Yeah. So it was like a combination of movement. Um, it was at first, so I had a really weird kind of injury happen, actually. So I had basically, like, I, I guess you could say, like, a partial tear to my Achilles, but I also had some damage done to my soleus, so in my calves. So if you're thinking about, like, the dead center of your calves, basically, um, when me and Keith went off, he went for a tornado DDT. When he hooked, had no fault to Keith, probably one of the most professional human beings I've ever worked with. Just bad roll of the dice. Pulled me in for the tornado DT. My leg stayed planted, hyperextended at the leg. So if you're thinking like if you like hyperextend your arm, kind of like at the point of break, right? It hyperextended to the calves, put some serious tension on the Achilles tendon, and everything shrank. So as soon as it happened, I couldn't walk. So in order for your body to protect itself, things kind of tighten, right? So the whole rest of the match, I was in like pure agonizing pain, but I had no idea really to what extent. I kind of just stupidly went along with the match. When I found out what was wrong with me after the fact, I, the first doctor I went to said I had a full rupture of my Achilles and I was going to need surgery. And I was like, shit, it's over now, you know? And I remember, I, I remember telling her, I go, well, how long did it take Kobe Bryant to recover from his Achilles? And she goes, you're not Kobe Bryant. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so even the doctor's throwing shade at me now. So I was thinking I was going to be out for about six months. Um, luckily at our gym, like our local gym that we go to, we have a really good orthopedic uh, doctor who works for Rush. And he took a look at me. He recommended me. I go to another doctor for another opinion. He determined that it wasn't going to need surgery, but I did have some major like like impact in the area. So there was some uh, thought of blood clots. So I did have to get ultrasounds. I was in the hospital quite a bit after that. They thought I was going to have some bad blood clots on my legs because of the amount of, uh, I guess they call it like compartment syndrome, I think is what the term is, mm-hmm. where like if an area like gets you know, so much impact, it can lead to some bad. I mean, like some people even lose their leg over that, over like impact, which is crazy. So I would say it was one of those injuries that, it could happen to anybody at any time. It wasn't like, oh, I got hurt because I was wrestling. Like, I could have slipped in the kitchen 
and just took a weird step and it could have just been the wrong amount of energy in one area. But no, it, it, it kind of definitely screwed me up. It, it put the most, I guess, threat mentally on me because I was like, well, shit, like, am I getting old? Like, what is this happening? You know what I mean? I'm only 33 years old. Like, I shouldn't be, like, falling apart like this. So uh, after that injury, I uh, I wasn't sure how coming back was going to be. I think when did I end up coming back? I think it was, like, summertime. I think I took, like, almost six months off. Yeah, it was close. Uh, yeah. But it, it, I still haven't, like, I've still kind of felt not the same. So put weight on. But I, I'm not seeing the weight, like, oh, the injury. I think I put the weight on because my mental side wasn't right. I was kind of like, you know, uh, maybe I'm not going to wrestle again. Maybe I shouldn't be wrestling again. So I kind of just, it took a while to, like, stop feeling sorry for myself, which I know it sounds so stupid, but you do. When you get hurt and if your entire life has been you athletically performing, you get hurt, you start to think, like, well, what if I, I'm not, I'm worthless now. So, uh, yeah, the injury was a big deal, even though luckily it wasn't like, like career ending. I think it was like mentally very awful for me. Mm-hmm. It was pretty taxing. And I remember watching that Brian Keith match on IWTV and you had that match. And when you entered yourself, when you said you entered yourself, I didn't really notice you finished the match, looked like a true professional, looked like nothing was wrong. And then you put on your Facebook, I think early the next day or maybe late at night that, that day, that the injury was pretty bad. And I know you were supposed to face Vic Capri at uh, Bourbon Championship Wrestling the next night. Yeah. I remember going on the podcast that week and saying, man, Craig Mitchell's got an amazing weekend ahead of himself. He's got Brian Keith on Friday. <laughs> He's got Vic Capri on Saturday. Now, this is an all-star weekend. And then it just kind of fell apart for you. Yeah, I think things were really starting to pick up for me a little bit. Like, I've always kind of been in this, like, this rotation where I can gain some momentum. And... I've always thought of myself, I mean, I think of myself as a professional, right? So I know that if you you hand me the ball and if I'm in a good sense of momentum, I can do well. When the match with, you know, Keith was happening, I was thinking to myself, like, you know what? This is a great match for me. I think I can show that I am a true professional. And that's, I think, what was going through my head. When I got hurt, I was like, well, there's no way I'm not going to finish the damn match. But the feeling of like being hurt and being so unsure was so crazy. That's why, like, I, I said it too. Like, Brian Keith is probably one of the greatest professional wrestlers right now that like exists. Like, he took great care of me. He is extremely, you know, like reliable. Like, I was definitely, definitely sick to my stomach. The amount of pain I was feeling, he took great care of me. Nobody would have noticed. We worked together just well. I would love to have that match again and not be hurt. I just say that. Um, but I think also, like, knowing that I was going to have the match with Vic, knowing that I was going to have a pretty good end to the winter going into the summertime. You know, I had had earlier in that year, I had some great matches with, like, Shane Mercer and guys like that and, like, prove that I can still go. And getting hurt just kind of sucks. You know what I mean? So for me now, like, I've been, I've done some scrambles. I've kind of tried to put myself in a position where, like, I very much realize that I probably am not going to jump to that next level, like, crazy, you know, like, move and be on TV or anything like that. But I, I have a lot to offer in the idea that I think I, I, I have some years left in me. But I'm very interested now in working with, like, a lot of younger talent and just, like, you know, give them, you know, good opportunities to, you know, work against someone that's going to take care of them. But also, like, work with new and up and coming talent and like teach them the way that I was taught and actually, you know, have them learn to work together in a very solid way and be reckless or 
you know, like unprofessional. Like if I'm just thinking of like Brian Keith, who is more professional than someone that when you work with them in the event where you could or are injured and they still can pull off a top tier match with you. It's amazing. Like that's what you want in a professional. And I was actually gonna segue right into younger talent as soon as you said that. There's a lot of great young talent coming through the Freelance Academy now. You got Trevor Outlaw, you got the Bang Bros, Darius Latrell, Coach Hernandez, you got last week's Whitney City Slam podcast guest, Itzio Orlandi. So uh, talk a little bit about those guys and what they can offer. They're all they're all awesome. Like I, I think about like when we started, we had like we were athletic and we could work, but we didn't have either like we didn't have like a good gimmick or we didn't have like a good idea of what we wanted to be or we didn't have the ability to talk. But what's crazy about a lot of these kids and with Isaiah and you know, Rob and all the other with uh, Kylie over at the school, what they're doing with a lot of these kids is, yeah, they're making them work real well, but they're giving them like the tools, like such as like their image, like how they look. And you know this. I mean, I've been around as long as I have. I kind of get a pass. I'm not much to look at, but I've worked real hard to be where I'm at, right? But you know, when you go to a show, if you know nothing about nobody and nobody walks through the curtain, you got nothing to give them. But if someone comes through and they got something they can give you, whether they got a good look or they got good energy, they got a good gimmick, they got good gear, whatever it is, they catch your eye. And when you leave the show, you don't remember the moves. You remember what the emotion was from the person, right? So when someone comes to the curtain and they're just like, yeah, you don't remember that at all. It's just everybody, everyday run-of-the-mill wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. But when someone's got a good character and they got a good look, you immediately are like, oh, I'm going to look that guy up or I'm going to look that girl up, whoever that was, right? So for me, a lot of these younger guys, the edge that they have over a lot of other kids is they're working on their image. They're working on their character just as hard as they're working on their drills and the rig, which is, is, is amazing. Because I've ran in to kids over the years that are amazing in the ring, but they're the shits on the mic. They don't sound good on the mic. They got no gear, and they just kind of they blend in, and they or they look like me. And we don't need more guys that look like me, right? So <laughs> that's kind of the way I look at it. Like there's so many different variety of new students. That's why now, like if I can, I love working with the new students because they're they're awesome. But they're not just awesome. They're also like hungry for like what can I learn what can I do you know they're not done yet like I mean me I still love learning stuff but I'm aware of my age but you know a lot of these younger kids are like what can you show me to where if I work with someone like you I can be the best or if I work with someone like that I can be the best and I think that's kind of where the freelance academy is getting it right because a lot of the talent they're pushing out of there they're not just done. Like they don't graduate out of wrestling school and they're done. They are constantly training. They're constantly getting better. And then they're getting on the road and we hear good things about them. But I, every time I flip through Twitter, all I hear is about how this person's doing this or how it was so good to have these students on their show and how they're so professional and stuff like that. It's awesome. I think it's the best. Yeah, it's pretty amazing when you get a team like the Bang Bros who, when they wrestle at LSA now – I call it, I don't call it the Road Warrior Pop. I call it the Bang Bros Pop because those kids get just a loud roar anytime they even just come out. And when they what they do during their matches is just amazing. It's amazing. They, they exhaust me. When I watch them wrestle, they exhaust me. They do everything. They And they're so smooth. I can never work that smooth. I haven't worked that smooth in 12 years. You know what I mean? It's crazy. 
pretty amazing stuff. We got a lot of great talent coming up through the Freelance Wrestling Academy. And once again, I'm going to pub the big freelance wrestling show on Friday night, February the 3rd at Marist High School. It's called the Red Hawk Rumbles for a great cause. And Craig Mitchell will be there along with many of your other freelance wrestling stars. And be Craig, before we let you go, why don't you go ahead and plug your social media, whatever merchandise you might have, and your upcoming events. Yeah, so right now, uh, I'll start with the events this Friday. We have the Red Hawk Rumble. Following after that, we have Freelance on Friday, Freelance Underground on Saturday. I'll be at both events. I don't know in what shape uh, or form and what I'm doing, but I will be there. Uh, I believe there's also a few other shows coming up. I know I'm, I'm reoccurring quite a bit with Anarchy and Freelance at the moment. I know coming into the summertime, just to kind of keep your eyes open for it, Mondo Lucha, I'll be doing all their shows in the summertime. They do the big, huge Taco Fest in Milwaukee, so we'll be doing those as well. Uh, and then for me, I'm kind of just looking to start expanding. So I don't have much to talk about now, but hopefully going into like, maybe say like March, you might see me popping up, you know, in your random towns. So I'll be starting to expand a little bit. So social media, I have like the typicals. I have Twitter, Instagram. They're both, you can find them under uh, Craig Mitchell. I believe the uh, the Instagram is Craig X Mitchell. Uh, and the Twitter should just be the same. I also have the Facebook. I do not look at that. If anything gets posted there, it got reposted from something else. So if you reach out to me from there, I probably won't see it. But mainly Twitter and Instagram. And I think that's it for those. But the big one I would look out for would be, if you get a chance, check out on the freelance Instagram. Look at the Red Hawk Rumble flyer. If you do not plan to go to the show, but you still would like to support, what you could do is purchase a ticket in response to the show you don't have to go but if you purchase a ticket it does still count as a donation towards the foundation as well awesome uh any craig mitchell merchandise available from anywhere yeah i so i have two designs that are on the pro wrestling team store uh, for freelance so if you look under the freelancer if you go to pro wrestling team you type in craig mitchell i got two designs i got black and a gray shirt on there if i see you wearing one i'll probably talk to you because you're one of 10 people that have a shirt off that probably but I appreciate it. All right, Craig, thank you so much for coming on this week, and good luck with Red Hawk Rumble and everything else. All right, sir, I appreciate it. I had a blast talking to Craig Mitchell, and he's a guy I've been wanting to talk to for a while. Uh, he's really a popular figure on the Chicago wrestling scene. He's been around for almost 15 years, starting out with Steve Boz and CSW. He's been at the hip with Matt Nix for many years, and he's a freelance favorite. And and that freelance special, the Red Hawk Rumbles for a great cause, that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Check it out this Friday night at Marist High School. You can get your tickets online for that, or you can even make a donation toward the cause. All right, next week, what further fallout will there be from the Royal Rumble? Plus, we're going to recap some of these local events and preview some others, including Freelance. And we welcome to the show for the very first time, Impact Wrestling star, Dirty Dango. He's the man formerly known as Johnny Curtis and Fandango. And we're going to talk about his career in Impact Wrestling and the upcoming Impact shows in Chicago. And you can catch that all right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody.